0: It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young, and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. I'm back with another true crime story to lull you to sleep or perhaps to give you nightmares. The case I'm covering tonight might be one of the saddest stories that I've talked about. It goes beyond murder and touches upon the complicated relationship between a single mother and her daughters while dealing with poverty and addiction, mental anguish, and abuse. This true crime story is known as the case of the Bathtub Sisters. When Linda Anderson was discovered dead in her bathtub, police initially ruled it to be an accidental drowning. About a year later, new details would emerge that would make it apparent that there was something far more sinister that happened, something involving Linda's two teenage daughters, known only as Sandra and Beth, to protect their identities. What they did and the complicated reasons why will both break your heart and absolutely infuriate you. There is a lot of information available on this case, so I'm going to go into as much detail as I can, but I do have a book recommendation if you'd like to really dig into this story. It's called The Class Project, How to Kill a Mother, The True Story of Canada's Infamous Bathtub Girls by Bob Mitchell. Bob takes a very critical look at the two young women who are involved. There's also a movie called Perfect Sisters, and I've heard it's not totally accurate. It's more of a dramatization, and it takes a more empathetic approach when discussing why this may have occurred. So it's important to note here that the name of the victim, as well as the perpetrators, they've all been changed in this story to protect their identities, and it will become clear soon why this happened. We're going to start on the day of Linda Anderson's death. On January 3rd, 2003, around 10.30pm, a call was placed to 911 from a small townhouse located in Mississauga, Ontario. On the line were two sisters, Sandra, who was 16 years old, and Beth, who was 15 years old. They told the 911 operator that they had come home from a night out at a restaurant with some of their friends, and they discovered their mother in the bathtub. She was unconscious and not breathing. The operator asked the girls to take Linda out of the tub and to attempt to perform CPR. They walked them through the instructions to do so. Both Sandra and Beth cried as they told the operator that they could not resuscitate their mother, and they waited for the ambulance and the police to arrive. When paramedics arrived at the house, they determined that Linda was in fact deceased. The police interviewed both Sandra and Beth, who once again reiterated that they had gone out with some friends earlier in the evening around 6.30 p.m. When they left, their mother had been drinking and she said that she was going to go take a bath. The sisters had dinner at a nearby restaurant and when they came home, they found their mom still in the tub unconscious. They also told detectives how their mother was an alcoholic who was known to pass out from time to time. To the police, it appeared to be an accidental drowning and an autopsy would seemingly back that up. The coroner would rule Linda's cause of death to be drowning, noting that she had very high levels of alcohol and drugs in her system, including codeine and acetaminophen. Over the next year, Life carried on and just about everyone believed that Linda had died in a tragic bathtub drowning accident. Well, mostly everyone. But the truth began to slip out here and there bit by bit. Sandra and Beth began to drink heavily and in their intoxicated state, they would speak freely about their involvement with their mother's death. Sandra would say that she began, quote, telling people, practically strangers, kids I met at a party. And I hated myself for drinking, too, because I killed my mother for her drinking. So, I was doing that because I felt I deserved to die for what I did. Oops, spoiler alert. Around 11 months later, while at a party, both young women were having fun and drinking with their friends when, again, one of them let it slip that their mother's death had not been an accident at all. She went on to say that her and her sister both killed their mother in the tub by drugging her and then holding her under water until she died. At first, this friend thought that they had to be joking, but it became pretty apparent that they weren't. They were very clear on the details. So this friend, who again cannot be named because they were underage at the time as well, we're dealing with literally 15 and 16 year olds here. He decided to go to the police to tell them what the sister had said. Though it was an interesting piece of information, the police would need more in order to make an arrest. So they asked this young man to use a car that they had wired for both audio and video to pick up the sisters and to try to get them to talk about their role in the murder of their mother. And it worked. They spilled the beans. Sister Sandra and Beth spoke in the recording about how they gave their mother six Tylenol 3s and then plied her with alcohol. Then they drew her a bath and asked her to get in and lie on her back so that they could help wash her. When Linda got into the tub and laid down, the sisters forced her head under the water. They even timed it for four minutes just to make sure that she was really dead. On January 21st, 2004, a little over a year since Linda's death, her daughters, Sandra and Beth, now aged 17 and 18, were charged with first-degree murder in connection to Linda's mishap. During the arrest, police also seized a computer, which would later be discovered to have a treasure trove of evidence on it. In order to get a conviction of first-degree murder, the Crown had to prove that the sisters made a plan to kill their mother. This had to be proven to be premeditated. They had the young women's stories of what they did on that recording, but they really needed to show evidence that would support the premeditated murder of their mother. The girls' defense team argued that their stories could not be proven as true, that what they had said on that recording was a lie, and that the evidence showed that their mother died of an accidental drowning. Besides, they were at a restaurant with their friends that night. They simply came home and found their mother when they arrived back at the house. And they claimed to have a witness who would back up this statement a man named Gary Slater, who lived next door to the sisters and their mother. He would say that he saw Linda around 9 p.m. that evening when she came to his door to ask for cigarettes and some booze. He testified that at the time she was very drunk and that he gave her some smokes but no alcohol. He said around an hour and a half later, which was around 10.30 p.m., he saw the sisters pull up to the house in a car, and they offered him their leftovers that they had taken home from the restaurant. Then the sisters went into their home. Shortly after, he said he saw a police car pull up to the house, and then maybe five or ten minutes later, the two sisters were put into separate police cars. He claimed that only the next day did he learn that Linda had died. A lot of what Gary testified to would conflict with other known statements of facts. For example, he said the sisters arrived home in a car while they had actually taken a bus home. He also conveniently didn't remember a lot of very important details, and his timeline didn't match up with what actually happened at very specific known times, such as when the 911 call was placed and when the police arrived on the scene. That's all timestamped. As you can imagine, he wasn't viewed as a very reliable witness. On the other hand, the prosecution had gathered a ton of incriminating evidence, particularly on that home computer that they had seized on the day of the arrest. The computer came from the house in which the sisters were both living, and it was found in a common room between their two bedrooms. So for that reason, it was assumed that they were the ones using it and sending all of the messages. Prior to their mother's death one of the girls had been researching how to drown someone, downloading a PDF document entitled Inhalation of Water, the Drowning Process. The sisters chatted with friends about what they were going to tell the 911 operator and what they would say to the police once they arrived. They developed alibis for themselves, and they discussed what would work best at length, finally deciding to leave the house once they were sure their mother was dead and then head to a local restaurant to meet some friends and be seen in public. Six days before the murder, the youngest sister chatted online with her boyfriend. He offered to buy some movie tickets to help her to establish a paper trail. He even offered to come over the night of the murder to help the two sisters, saying, I have this picture in my head of the three of us sitting huddled on the doorstep. It looks so convincing in my head. You two just sobbing, me trying to act tough, but eyes watering. LOL. The youngest sister responded with, called her legs, she bruises way too easily, and snapped, fucking whore makes everything difficult. The boyfriend would be charged with conspiracy to commit murder for helping the sisters. It was believed that he had supplied the Tylenol 3s that they would use to drug her, and he also helped them to establish an alibi that would keep them out of jail for a full year before they were caught but the most chilling messages came on the very day that they decided to actually kill their mother. It was an MSN conversation between one of the sisters and her girlfriend, and it's pretty disgusting because this friend that she confided in could have put a stop to all of this. This person could have called the police. They could have saved Linda's life, but they chose not to. I'm going to read a snippet of the conversation now. Is she trashed? asked the friend getting there the daughter replied when are you doing it you never answered how long asked the friend because you're gonna have to wait for the pills to kick in yeah the daughter replied we do it after she's completely unresponsive meaning they kicked in so that's gonna be in an hour oh said the friend you already given them to her four of them said the daughter plus a bottle of vodka and wine oh my god in caps the friend said how'd you get her to take them "'Meh,' the daughter snorted. "'She just takes them and then forgets. She's stupid.'" Through the searches, the emails, the MSN messages, it was pretty clear that these two teenagers meticulously planned to murder their mother in cold blood. And it all seemed to be a big joke to them. "'I love to travel.'" From the bustling city of Tokyo to the beaches of Thailand, there's nothing I enjoy more than getting the chance to see the world and experience different cultures firsthand. But the language barrier, it can be an issue. Sure, you can use an app on your phone, but things often get lost in translation. I truly believe that learning at least some of the language of the land that you're visiting is the first step to ensuring a smooth and meaningful experience. That's why I'm excited about Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language that you want to learn. Rosetta Stone has been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Japanese, Spanish, German, Korean, Italian, and more. Learning a new language can be tough especially with all of the different nuances. But Rosetta Stone is designed to help you speak like a local, so you'll feel confident in what you're saying. I don't know how many times I've been traveling to a new country and struggled to get my point across just because I wasn't properly pronouncing something that I thought I knew, which is why I love Rosetta Stone's built-in True Accent feature, which helps you master your accent. They also have convenient desktop and app options so you can learn on the go. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership includes all 25 languages. So once you're finished learning one language, you can start on another. Whether you're an avid traveler like me or just want to impress your friends with a new skill, it's a steal of a deal at 50% off. That's right. 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Many close friends who knew the sisters said that the murder had nothing to do with abuse and neglect in the home. They had planned to kill their mother to get the life insurance policy. They had big plans on how they would spend the money. And I mean, it was only $100,000, but they're teenagers. They don't know how much money can buy. They wanted to buy a big house with a pool, and they wanted to take a trip to Europe. The sisters denied that they ever said any such thing. Justice Bruce Duncan, who presided over the case, said, quote, "...they carried out the plan with chilling detachment." The two set out to commit the perfect crime, but instead, they created the perfect prosecution. The case against them is overwhelming. It is probably the strongest case I have ever seen in over 30 years of prosecuting, defending, and judging criminal cases. And even though their identities would be protected because they were minors, the sisters were convicted of first-degree murder in the chilling killing of their mother— But again, because they were minors, they were given a youth sentence of just six years in custody and four years under community supervision. If they had been charged as adults, they would have been given a life prison sentence. Now that there was a conviction, everyone wanted to know why. Why would these two young women who had never been in trouble with the law before drown their own mother? Crimes like this, matricide, the killing of one's mother, it's just extremely rare. The sisters would allege a childhood of both physical and sexual abuse, only made worse by an alcoholic single mother who didn't give them the love and attention that they needed. When Sandra was a child, she alleged that she was sexually abused by a close family member, and after confiding in a local priest, she was told that she should confront her abuser and threaten to expose him, which, of course, is just terrible advice. But she was a child who trusted the advice of this priest, and so she did it. But her abuser didn't care. He called her bluff, and Sandra was left alone with her pain. It doesn't appear that she ever confided in her mother about this abuse, but she likely believed that she couldn't turn to her mom. Her mother was also struggling with depression. Linda's husband had left her with the children many years ago. He just took off and so now she had to raise them alone. Then she was with a physically violent and abusive boyfriend who lived at the home and her alcoholism, it was taking over her life. She was a single mother who worked nonstop to try to financially keep the home going but she was also battling her own demons. And I'm not saying that any of that is an excuse for her terrible decisions or her bad parenting. It's just a reason why. Sandra would say how it was often her and her sister, Beth, who would have to take care of the home and their younger brother. They often had no food in their cupboards and they would always go without dinner. Their mother was known to drive around with them in the car while she was severely intoxicated. Overall, it was just a really difficult and traumatic upbringing for both of the young girls. Sandra would later say that she tried, but she failed to report the abuse to Children's Aid Society. She would call them and they would interview her and ask her what was happening in the home and she would just clam up. She couldn't get the full story out detailing what was actually happening in the home and so there was no action taken. When Linda and her abusive boyfriend finally broke up and the boyfriend moved out, the sisters believed that things might actually get better in the home, that their mother might finally focus more of her attention on them and getting better. But Linda continued to drink just as much, if not more, than before. She continued to neglect her children and the home. And to the sisters, well, they said that they felt like they were living in a situation that they could never escape from. According to their testimony, this is why they hatched a plan to kill their mother. Of course, with the evidence presented in court, not everyone would believe them. They're now in their 30s, and their lives look much different than they used to. In an unusual twist of fate, Beth went on to complete a law degree, and she's now a mother. Sandra graduated from university and became a scientist, and now she is also a single mother, just like her mother was. She's expressed a lot of guilt over what her and her sister did as teens. In an interview with Global News, she said, quote, she was a beautiful person, very smart and loving, and I didn't recognize that for what that was. The hate did blind me. I'm so sorry for my crime. I regret what happened with every shred of my being, my soul.
1: I'm so sorry for all of it. But actually, I can say I'm a good person because I don't wake up in the morning and think like, how can I hurt others? Like I just feel like, how am I trapped in this life? It does feel like I'm just trapped in the wrong movie. Like my mom's not supposed to be dead right now. Like I am supposed to be sharing my life with her. She was very smart and loving and I didn't recognize that for what that was until it was gone. Um, and like the hate did blind me and I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Every morning I wake up and it's like why am I waking up to this world? I didn't realize how sick she was. I just, I really thought she's just dying from this and I wanted it to stop.
0: Both women now live their lives anonymously and it seems like they both tried to move on from the past. Their real names are out there but I'm obviously not going to repeat them here as their identities are still protected under Canadian law. I find this case Fascinating for so many reasons. The main one being these two young women committed a heinous crime against their own mother, but because of their age, they were given a very short sentence, which was really focused on rehabilitation. So you could look at this in two different ways. Either you believe these two women were given a slap on the wrist for committing a really horrible crime and they should still be behind bars. Or you believe that they were given just what the criminal justice system is designed to do, to rehabilitate. Both women have turned their lives around and are now contributing members of society today. So if the goal is rehabilitation, then one might say that this played out exactly as it should. But I'd love to hear what you think. Do you think that youth should be charged differently than adults when dealing with a very serious crime like first-degree murder? Do you think the focus of prison should be punishment or rehabilitation? And do you think the case of the Bathtub Sisters is an example of the justice system in Canada working or failing? Let me know what you think in the comments. That's it for me tonight. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper. Or I'm on YouTube, Nikki Young, Serial Napper, and that's all one word. Until next time, stay safe, stay kind, especially in the comments. Bye.